and welcome to the Beyond Your Research Degree podcast by the University of Exeter Doctoral College. I'm Kelly Priest, Research Development Manager in the Doctoral College at the University of Exeter and I'll be your host today. Hello. Hello, hi. Okay, so my name is Dave Musgrove uh, and I studied uh, here at Exeter. I did my BA here in archaeology and I went on to do a PhD uh, in the archaeology department. Um, There was a year in between times uh, when I went out and worked for um, a few companies doing various temping jobs. Um, but I came back. I was very, um, very grateful to be asked back and be given a funded opportunity to do a PhD uh, all about the medieval landscape archaeology of the peat moors of the Somerset Levels, uh, a title I remember well uh, from doing it. Um, and I did my PhD in three years and then I left and uh, did not carry on into academia. So, um, the uh, my career since then has been that I've been essentially working in the media, uh, uh, specifically in magazine publishing, but also latterly in uh, online publishing, um, uh, because of the realities of the print magazine publishing world and the fact that uh, online is uh, is clearly an important place in which publishing happens. So. Um, how did I get into that role? Well, so whilst I was doing my PhD, um, it became fairly clear to me that uh, I probably wasn't going to become an academic. Um, so uh, I think it was probably in the second year of my PhD that I thought I ought to be thinking about what else I could be doing. Um, so I chatted to my supervisor and said that I was thinking I was quite interested in publishing. I've been doing some work for her, um, editing some of her uh, her manuscripts and doing some page layout for some of her uh, books. So I'd been um, developing some skills there, getting a bit of cash, um, and that had uh, sparked a bit of interest in me. So she suggested I uh, go along to the university press here at Exeter and see if they had any volunteering work experience opportunities, which I duly did, and uh, and I enjoyed that, and must have been reasonably proficient because they offered me some part-time work there, um, just doing general admin and a little bit of light editing. Um, so I did that through the um, sort of latter part of my PhD, um, and uh, I met somebody there who had some contacts in the magazine publishing world, so when I finished my PhD, she Um, very kindly put me in touch with some people uh, at a company called Future Publishing, which is based in Bath, which produces lots of, uh, still going, it produces lots of uh, computer magazines uh, and other things. Um, And uh, I had, uh, also whilst I was doing my PhD, I had taken an interest in uh, the internet, uh, which at the time I was doing my PhD was uh, a few years ago, uh, the internet was only really starting off and I learnt how to do um, HTML coding um, and uh, I was able to get a job on a magazine about the internet. Um, well, I applied for it um, and uh, with the contacts that I'd been given by uh, this person at the University Press I had a, a little bit of a step in um, and so I got a job on that uh, working for a, as a, on a, a very base layer level um, on this magazine for a couple of years. I was very lucky to get on a training program there for uh, magazine journalism um, and uh, that 
got me into into the world of, of, of magazines. Uh, I worked on various other computer and internet magazines at Future Publishing for a few years and then uh, heard about a history magazine launching at a rival company in Bristol uh, called Origin Publishing. Um, so I applied for a job there, got it, um, uh, and obviously played off my uh, doctoral skills to get that. Uh, and I've been with that company ever since. It's been through various guises. Um, uh, uh, was bought by the BBC, and I ended up working on BBC History Magazine, which is a, a very popular um, uh, history magazine, the most popular history magazine in the UK. Um, and I've essentially been working on that for the last few years, um, as in various roles as the editor for about a decade and uh, then subsequently as the publisher and content director. So I'm now in a managerial capacity, uh, but still within a media company. So um, that's the story. Fantastic, thank you. So a couple of things that spring to mind um, are about the importance of some of the skills and experiences you picked up alongside doing the PhD. So you talked about having had a year's gap before and doing various like temping jobs, were any of those things related to your subject area or to publishing, or were they kind of just general? Nope, they were uh, a variety of jobs. Working in a post room, uh, <laughs> working. I ended up working for a market research company, and I think it would probably be described as a graduate level job um, uh, as a market research executive, um, which. Uh, to be honest, I didn't particularly uh, enjoy, um, and that was what led me to think, well, maybe I'll have another crack at uh, uh, academia for a bit. Um, I think all those uh, all those positions, you know, you can pull out some skills from them, uh, some experience, which is helpful in getting the first real job that you want to do. And definitely, I think for anyone who's um, looking to enter the uh, the job market. Uh, in a you know in in a professional capacity, um, uh, you need to draw on any any possible skills you can think of from uh, from part time work or temporary work that you've done, um, and just you know make sure that you can uh, you can flag up one thing that you learnt from that. So when I worked in a post room, for instance, I'm sure I would have said that it helped me develop my people skills because I was dealing with a lot of. Um, uh, a lot of truculent individuals who wanted their posts. I'm, I can't. I can't imagine. I can't even remember exactly what I said. But the, you know, there were you. You can always find something. Some even from the most uninspiring sort of job, you can always find something that uh, that you can uh, allude to in a in an interview or in a CV. So when you were applying for those that that first role um, at the at Future Publishing mm. in Bar, you talked about kind of drawing in quite a wide range of interests, and obviously you're relying quite heavily on your. Uh, writing and editing skills. Yeah. Um, what else did you draw on in applying and both doing the role, in particular in regards to having done a PhD or having done a research degree? Um, well, I think well one of the one of the things that um, I particularly drew on for that first role was the uh, was the fact that it wasn't specifically related to my PhD, but it was something that I had done during my studies, which was learning to code uh, uh, websites. Um, which I only had the opportunity to do because I had some time in my, uh, you know, in my in my research uh, calendar, um, and there were some facilities here to enable me to do that. So I was clearly able to draw on that um, to uh, to give me uh, 
the, the sort of specialism that they were interested um, in for that particular magazine. Um, in general, um, I'm sure I would have said, uh, and, I, and I would have meant it, that my, um, my doctoral studies uh, had given me uh, an overarching sense of uh, the, uh, responsibility, um, uh, imper the, uh, an understanding of the importance of personal uh, responsibility in all aspects of work. Um, and uh, I would have played quite heavily on the fact that I've shown that I have the ability to do a project and carry it through to completion um, on my own volition. And I think that's... For me, that's one of the really big things that you can say from from uh, from doctoral research um, is to say, you know, you, you clearly have the capacity for independent work. Um, what you need to then do is to demonstrate that you also have the capacity and the flexibility to work in a in a team environment uh, uh, where you're not working solely to your own agenda. And that's probably one of the things that I think maybe is a more difficult aspect for people coming from transitioning out of uh, academia into uh, the business world or or even into into the public sector is to demonstrate that you um, have the facility to work in an office environment rather than just on your own um, and there are numerous ways to do that you can allude back to your employment experience if you've worked in a you know had a temping job in an office or in a pub or both of which I did um, then you can demonstrate that um, uh, but I think that's quite important. I think that's a, that is a potential stumbling block for people who who see you know PhD on a on a CV. They think, well, that's great. Can they can they work in an office? Yeah, and I th I do think, and we know from research that's a quite a prevalent perception of, but from employers of um, people coming from academia or having done a PhD is the idea that they're quite solitary. Um, detail-oriented, very focused on themselves and their own work and perhaps lack those kind of team working and interpersonal skills. And increasingly with the kind of environments that we have in the university, um, from shared office space to some of the leadership roles that are available to our students, like being a PGR representative or various different things, actually there's, you know, even just organising a conference with a group of people, there's some real opportunities to pick up on the draw draw in those skills yeah I'd say that's super important and it, I don't think um, I don't for one moment think that um, doctoral candidates or PhD students are, are lonesome weirdos yeah. no um, <laughs> I hope I wasn't well maybe I was who knows um, uh, but I think that is that certainly I think you're right that is a, a perception from employers that that's, that's something that that, um, that perhaps goes with the territory and I think there are as you say there are lots of ways that you can demonstrate that you're not that you have team working skills um, you just need to make sure that you've thought about that and you've got some an answer uh, down pat that uh, that's that's going to alleviate that concern. Do you think both as somebody that's been through that process but also thinking you know where you are now as an employer um, and a manager are there other areas that you would see that you think are particular kind of stumbling blocks of people who are looking to move from doing a PhD to beyond academia? I suppose there's always uh, the sense that um, is uh, is the person who's co who's coming to you, are they actually interested in the role you're doing or are they simply doing it because they haven't been able to get an academic job? Um, and I think that is quite a... <sighs> I think that would be a concern for some employers to think, well, you know, this person, 
they've gone down they've gone this far down a, a route of uh, of research why aren't they why aren't they carrying on why aren't they doing what one assumes they wanted to do um so i think that you, again it's easy to counter that you just need to think about it you just need to be clear about what you're doing and you need to express you know well this is this goes for any job you need to have a very good reason why you want the job and you need to be keen and enthusiastic and have a good answer you mean if you're in an interview situation and you're not asked why do you want the job then that's a bit odd I don't um, think I've ever been in an interview <laughs> where I've not been asked that so you have to expect it and you have yeah. to have a good answer and uh, and you have to be able to demonstrate that you really want that job and perhaps it builds on what you did in your um, in your doctoral studies um, perhaps it's uh, perhaps it's um, in some way linked to it or if it's completely askance then that's absolutely fine but you just need to um, demonstrate that you are fully committed to that and uh, the reason why you uh, are no longer carrying on academia is whatever it is, um, uh, and just make sure you've got that got that nailed down. So, just sort of picking up on that a little bit, what was it like for you to do those three really intensive years on that one project, and then to leave that project, but also research, and for a certain amount of time? history and archaeology behind to move on to something completely different did you find that difficult did you find it quite exciting um so i was uh i was very pleased to put away my books about <laughs> um medieval peat moors and my struggles with um the paleography of medieval latin glastonbury abbey account rolls um briefly i was pleased um, and then I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty gutted that I uh, hadn't, hadn't carried on with it. Um, but with the, with a realization, with a, you know, a, a practical realization that I wasn't going to be a great academic. I think I sort of clocked that that, you know, in seminars I wasn't the what person coming up with the you know, the really insightful grasp of, of the topics and stuff. So I, I was aware that um, I was never going to become a, a great professor. Um, but, yeah, I was, I, it was, it, I, I was sad that yeah. I wasn't, uh, I wasn't involved in that environment anymore. But on the flip side, uh, it was a really, really interesting role. I was really fascinated in what I was doing. I was learning a lot of skills. I was under a completely different sort of pressure. I mean, I've been under a long grinding pressure <laughs> to get to the end of the of the PhD uh, and then I was immediately shipped and it was pretty much immediate I didn't take a break or anything I was skint um, uh, uh, pretty pretty much straight into into this job which which was brilliant because obviously I needed work and money and a new um, a new focus um, I think if I hadn't had that then that might that would probably have been worse if I'd just been sat around thinking oh god I've done this PhD and now I've got nothing um I was, I was quite a long way behind my peers um, in terms of salary and position, which uh, was uh, a bit difficult. Um, yeah. But um, you know, things tend to equalise out, so I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't worry about that too much. Um, but it was, yeah, in terms of deadlines, it was like so. I'd gone from this this long, long deadline into having a deadline every day, week, month, and it was completely sort of different pressure, really exciting, working with a bunch of people who were all really nice um, and uh, um, um, who were all 
one of the great things was they were just all really interested in the fact that I'd done a PhD and, you know, I was um, politely mocked for being the <laughs> doctor in the house and all that stuff. And I think you kind of, you do have to accept that. I've sort of traded on that over the years, you know, the, the, the doctors here type thing. Absolutely. About, uh, how, how amusing. Um, uh, so, um, uh, but, but, you know, it was, uh, it was, it was actually a really interesting experience. Um, and uh, yeah, it was fun. So you mentioned about kind of entering in and being behind your peers in terms of salary, but that equalising out over time, is that because you found that you progressed quicker, even though you went in at a lower level? Or um, I mean, I don't actually know how to equalise over time, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, I'm, I, I feel quite comfortable with what I'm doing and, yes. and, and what I'm earning now, and that's, that's fine. Um, did I progress? I think I did progress pretty quickly. I think I was pretty, I was keen, I was enthusiastic, and I wanted to get on with stuff. Um, and there was probably people who uh, didn't quite have that sense of urgency. Um, and so that was, so that was actually that was really useful. It was good, and, uh, and I pushed myself forward. You know, and I when I pushed for promotions, I insisted on promotions. I said, I'm <laughs> doing this, and I'm really good, and you need to give me a promotion. Um, and uh, and yeah, and, and, I, and I, I got such things. Um, and then I guess when I blundered back into uh, a role that was closer to my um, research studies, though actually still some distance. Yeah. Um, uh, then I was able to sort of play back off that um, that, that, that that academic background. I, did that give me? Uh, more of a platform for pay rise I, I don't know but it, I think it it certainly helped me in my career um, and I've, I've 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 used the fact that I've done the research to um, to make a lot of contacts um, and to push myself forward and I, so so I, I see I see practical benefits for that but I, I, that's reasonably unique I suppose in terms of uh, of my career path going from academia and then finding something that's a little bit similar to it but but actually still quite different. Yes so you mentioned a couple of things partly um, I wanted to pick up on you mentioned about kind of making contacts and various different things so obviously that was really fundamental for you in getting that first that first role. Um, what was your experience like of going through that interview process and like throughout your career how how fundamental have you found that kind of sense of contacts and networks to be in terms of moving forward or moving sideways or just essentially changing mm. roles or changing paths? I mean, you know, you would like the world to not be somewhere where you get by by who, who you know, but reality is that, that it is helpful to have people who can put in a good word if you say this person's good, I work yeah. with them. Um, uh, and uh, and that certainly helps. And um, yeah, I'm 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 very grateful to that to that first colleague who I mean they didn't didn't get me the job. They no, just they just um, they just put me in touch with somebody and uh, and put my name in the frame. And that was that was that was that was much appreciated. Um, uh, and also just you know maybe I wouldn't have applied for that role if I hadn't been um, sort of if it hadn't been mentioned to me that there was the role going. Um, the the interview. I mean I think. Uh, I think I've, in all interviews, I've always found the fact that I have a PhD to be useful, just in the sense that it does give you a conversation piece. And they say, you know, 
I see you've done a PhD yeah. and you say, yeah, it was on the medieval exploitation of the peat moors of the Somerset levels. That sounds really boring, doesn't it? Uh, um, <laughs> and 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 uh, and then, but you can then say, well, you know, I can say something mildly interesting about it. I won't. But, um, uh, but it just gives you, it, it makes you sound slightly more interesting than other people, and I think that is useful in a in an interview uh, environment. You do need to sound interesting, um, uh, and that gives you that gives you a little bit of ammunition so i've i've traded on that in every interview environment that i've done um i mean it, i don't recall doing much sort of interview practice um when i was studying so okay. I've, i think my i can't imagine my initial interview was a great success <laughs> but it was you know obviously it was enough to to get me the job um maybe i should have done more interview practice i'm not sure i'm not sure how far that's a thing for um phd students these days to to do but i think that obviously that would be useful to make sure that you are doing a bit of that and have an idea about what, what might uh, what might come your way yeah and there's quite a lot of support within the institution through um my team but also through the career service about things like preparing for interviews particularly if you don't have much experience at job interviews or you have any particular anxieties yeah. around them what they might be like and we actually have um we have this piece of software called Interview Stream where you can set up your own questions and kind of record yourself and do practice and get feedback and all sorts of things, which yeah. is really interesting. It would be very disconcerting for me to watch myself in an interview, <laughs> but it does help quite a lot of people. Well, def definitely. I think it, those sorts of things, uh, everyone should take advantage of those. Mm. Even if you're a brilliant interviewer, then I'd, I still think you should, um, you should have a go at that. And, just remember, and uh, I, I would just point back to that fact that you have something interesting to say, so do make sure you talk about, and you and it will make you feel more at ease if you get, you know, if you have uh, half a minute to say something that you are a real expert on. Don't blever on about it for <laughs> an hour, obviously, but just say something that sounds interesting and uh, and as if you know to make the whoever is interviewing you think, oh, well, that's that's somebody who I might learn something from, who I might enjoy being, you know, who 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 isn't a uh, a strange weirdo, um, uh, who who actually has something interesting to say. And I guess there's something really stand out about that because it's an un it's a slightly more unusual thing yeah. to be to have people coming in who do have a PhD or ha who have that level of expertise yeah. in something yeah. very specific. Yeah. Um, you talked about that first role and going on a training program. Mm. So can you tell me a bit about what that was and um, how that came about, but also what I think what it was like to go back to learning in yeah. that sense once you'd started a professional job? Um, I mean, that was it was brilliant. Uh, it was basically they, they ran a, um, a year-long training program for uh, trainee journalists, essentially, and every week there was a half-day block out for um, a, few, a group of ten of us to go and be taught stuff by um, professional journalists and editors, uh, which was absolutely fantastic. Um, and I uh, embraced it and uh, and and loved it. And it was um, it was very different because I was, it was direct learning. It wasn't you know I wasn't researching. I was being told stuff and being given tasks and you know being being told to told what to do and then trying to trying to get my head around. Um, so I suppose that that you might. You might think you're better than that if you've got a got a PhD. You might think, oh, well, I've already done all this training. Um, but uh, you know, humility is a, a good thing um, it, in general and in life. And and I've, it was no, I, I didn't think that. I thought it was fascinating, and I realised I really needed to understand things. Um, 
and I really needed to learn how to do the job if I wanted to progress. So I was very, very grateful for it. And it was it was excellent. I think, you know, it's the governance phrase of lifelong learning or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And, but yeah, it's true. You need to yep. you do need Absolutely. to constantly be trying to progress and learn things. Um, and uh, and if you're not doing that sort of thing, you you'll get bored anyway. But um, uh, but you do need to um, do that for your career progression, whatever. So you talked about doing some editing for your supervisor yeah. for a book they were working yeah. on. Um, so you, and you worked for the university press. So you obviously had some kind of experience with publishing, albeit quite a different yeah. kind of publishing. Um, when you were doing that training course, how different did you find the approach to things like writing and editing, and perhaps researching an article or a story where you might have used those fundamental skills when you were doing your PhD, but how different did you find the use of them in that context, or did you find you kind of needed to relearn how to do those things in a different way? Yeah, probably, um, because, uh, well, the stuff that I was doing uh, for my supervisor was um, to her standards, to her um, to her conventions so that was fine I was just doing basically what I was told and 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 it was very useful interesting learning experience um and then everyone has different conventions and and uh, and different things like that but I think specifically in terms of the question of research and uh and using your research skills what you need to do is in a work environment is you need to be able to stop once you've done, once you've found something, found an answer, or done something that's uh, that's that's enough. Uh, in a PhD, it's never enough because there's always the next rabbit hole to go down, and the next journal article to look at, the next, you know, the next the next thing to have a look at, and you're trying to basically understand every as much as you can about whatever it is you're looking at. Uh, whereas, particularly in a journalistic environment, you you can't do that. You've got half a half a day, half an hour to do something. You've just got to get to the bottom of it as quickly as you can uh, and be happy with that and and develop a sense of pragmatism if you haven't got one already. Did you find that quite difficult um, moving from the kind of longer scale project and longer scale questioning to something that is quite discreet and quite quick? Yeah 100% but I had no choice because yeah. <laughs> you've, you've got a deadline and uh, you've got to you've got to deliver. I mean there's you kind of I was I was really worried about all the stuff I did for a, for a little while because I thought well I haven't I've only given this an hour. This isn't. I can't possibly. This can't be right. Um, but um, you just got to just got to roll with it and uh, trust that you've done as best you can. So you talked about obviously going um, onto a history-based magazine, so a little bit closer yep. to the kind of background you had in your PhD, and that you've moved on to a more managerial role now. So thinking about yourself. As I guess as an employer, um, what if you had a, a PhD graduate or someone that's just come into their PhD interviewing for um, a similar role, kind of perhaps where you started? Um, for you or in your team and organisation, what what are you looking for from them? So, I suppose it's a bit different in the fact of my background. I would be. I'd probably look more favourably on someone who's got a yes. PhD than perhaps someone who hasn't. And I think, um, yeah, you do need to view it with, with that sense. But, um, I mean, obviously, okay, I interviewed yesterday for, for a role um, and the person I interviewed uh, had all the skills 
I mean, clearly you need to demonstrate you've got the skills for, the, for the job. Um, so that was fine. Um, but she was also, um, she didn't have a PhD. Um, she, I think she had a, uh, an MA. Um, she, she was enthusiastic, keen, and uh, had enough of a sense of, um, how to describe it? She wasn't afraid to stop and uh, ask for a bit of time to answer a question. So she was confident enough in herself to say, I need to, I just need to uh, address this properly. Um, so uh, I saw a, a good level of maturity in her. She was quite young. Yeah. Um, and I think as a, as a PhD student, you could, you could, you could trade on that quite well. You could trade on that sense of maturity and sense of of, of you know self worth, self knowledge, without appearing to be some sort of braggart or something that you've you've done um, um, extended research. And I think that that is a pitfall. You definitely don't want to come across as someone who's you know better than anyone else, and uh, that's clearly would be a bad. Yeah, bad so idea. that kind of elitist. Yeah, don't do that. Yeah. don't do that. Um, but definitely, you know. I'm, I'm looking for someone who has who has great enthusiasm. I want somebody who wants the job. Yeah. I want somebody who had the same sense of urgency as I had when I was uh, 23, 24, looking for a job. I want somebody who's going to be banging on my door saying, I want a promotion, I want to be better, I want to do this training course. Um, you want those people in your, in, your, in your teams. You want people, you don't want people who just sat around waiting for... Um, went for the bell, um, so so enthusiasm is is the is the absolute thing that I look for, um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, and and confidence. I think confidence is 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 a, is a great asset in an interview environment. Absolutely. Um, so so yeah, make sure you've got that. And if we've got any students listening who are thinking about going into um, into magazine publishing or online publishing, as you're in now. What advice would you give them in terms of perhaps some of the things to do alongside their studies or are there particular kind of volunteering experiences you think would be useful or are there particular skill sets that you think they really need to focus on developing? So if you're at Exeter, I would expect you to be writing for Exposé. Um, I would um, uh, expect you to be you know, contributing to that to that um, that magazine in some format, rather, um, uh, you you should have a blog. You should be you should be blogging. You should be on social media. I should be able to find you on Twitter and Facebook and not think that you're um, a completely wild individual. Yes. Um, uh, but but I should I should be able to see that you are um, looking to promote yourself in those um, in those environments. Um, you should probably be uh, doing a podcast. Um, I mean, those are all the things that that uh, a modern journalist needs to be doing. Um, so I would I would advise you to be developing in all those areas. Um, uh, on top of that, there are numerous opportunities to do a bit of work experience or internship or you know apply for competitions, writing competitions, that sort of thing. You know, I think the person I interviewed yesterday. Had, had, 
was a, a won a poetry competition. Um, okay. So those sorts of things. I think yeah. they are. They just make you think. Oh, they, they are bothered. They are interested. They they are enthusiastic. They do care about this, um, and they have a passion for it. And that's that. Those would all be things that I would I would definitely try and do. Um, um, so yeah, you need to show that you that you are actually interested in writing and editing if you're trying to get into a media career. Absolutely, and I, that sense of enthusiasm and passion has come across really strongly in all of the answers you've given. That actually, the one of the fundamental things is about being interested and having that sense of motivation to move forward and find out more. And I certainly think, from my experience working with our PhD students and our research degree students, that's something they have in droves. Yeah, because you need that to be able to pursue a project that is that specialised for that sustained period of time. You need that real passion and care for something. Um, And so there's something really wonderful about being able to maximise on on those personal qualities. Yeah, totally. You can can trade on that. You can trade on on that as 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 a... as a marker of your enthusiasm uh, and your passion, and you can you can really go to town on that, and I would definitely recommend that would be a, a good thing to do. I mean, I think that's what all employers really need and want is is that sense of there's somebody who's who is has got a level of excitement and commitment that's that's going to make them actually want to do the job and do it well. Fantastic, thank you very much. Pleasure. And that's it for this episode. Join us next time when we'll be talking to another researcher about their career beyond their research degree.